about another hand for this team, y'all? God bless them. Beautiful. Thank you to Caleb. We know you guys did a good job because my, my throat already hurts because I was singing so loud. That's good. That's when I know y'all are rocking and rolling, so it's awesome. Thanks for leading us closer to the throne of Christ this morning, and God bless all of you uh, for being such an integral part of that. And for the voices in this room, uh, which are so critical, that we come together as a church and we worship him, so it's awesome to get to be a part of that. Let me pray for us as we open uh, the Word of God for the first time this year, at least congregationally, all of us as the gathered church. Let me pray for us in that. Lord God, you are so very good to us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the way that you take care of us and you provide for us. Lord, we pray that you'd continue to give us peace and guidance and leading in our lives and in the life of our church. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come together in your name. God, to get this year started off in the right way, by opening your word, by singing out praises, by communing together. <clears throat> Lord, we pray that it will all be done to your glory. And we thank you for taking such amazing care of us. Be with those now that are sick and hurting, those that are home right now battling COVID, uh, uh, some other illness or, or challenge. Lord, we lift them up to you. And God, we pray for their healing. Be with us today, Lord. We ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't do very well with busy work. I've never been somebody that, that liked busy work. I'm sure very few of you do, but I find it especially annoying, um, you know, at the risk of teachers throwing things at me right now, one of the things that I really hated when I was younger were worksheets. I did not do well with worksheets. I always felt like worksheets were busy work. Now, I understand now more as I'm older, I get it a little bit more, but I'm just telling you, I'm just being honest, when I was younger, did not enjoy a worksheet. Felt like busy work to me. Now, if you can't resonate with that one, I guarantee you, you can resonate with this one. And now I'm going to risk all the medical professionals in the room throwing things at me. But hey, while I'm doing it, I might as well just offend everybody, right? When you go in, when I, I'll just use me, when I go to the doctor's office, uh, you know, and I feel like I was just at the doctor's office, and then they hand me a clipboard of like 15 more papers to fill out. We have more paperwork for you to fill out. Y'all, I come close every time to being like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. I'm putting my foot down. And then I just sit down and fill out the paper, right? I just get over myself and do it. But it feels like busy work. It's not something I want to be doing. And so let's be honest, I tend to just do it kind of halfway. I get through it as quickly as I can. And that's why it's so critical for us today as the church and as Galilee Christian, Galilee Christian Church to spend a few minutes together talking about why we do what we do. We need to understand and be grounded in our why. Why don't I like busy work? Because I don't see the why in it. Or at least it's hard for me to see the why in it. And when I can't see the why in something, it is difficult for me to do that thing with passion, to be committed to it. So I'm usually just going through the motions. And I think we'd all agree in this room, those of us in here that are Christ followers, we'd all agree that we should not be approaching our relationship with Christ and the way that we live out our faith just going through the motions. So we've got to clearly define our why. Why do we do what we do? And what is it that we're supposed to be doing? Well, our church has a mission statement for a reason. And, you know, for years I was not big on mission statements. I probably was one of the people that was like, oh, you know, mission statements are dumb. But I have grown... And I think that mission statements give us some, some direction. They give us some value. 
This week we're talking about mission, which is what informs our day in and day out lives, both individually and collectively as a church. Next week, we're going to talk about vision. Hey, where are we going as a church? Where do we believe that God is calling us to go? What's the ground he's calling us to take? So I hope you can tell I'm especially excited about these two weeks to get the year started off in this way. But our mission, what informs what we do and why we do it as a church is to advance the gospel, make disciples, and serve all. Most of you have heard it a million times, and I'm totally okay with that. Most of you by now know it. You could say, well, what's Galley's mission? Advance, make, serve. And that's great. We've made it that way for a reason, so that you'd know it, so that you'd clearly understand it, and most importantly, that we collectively would be about it. We'd do it. We want to be a church that advances the gospel and makes disciples and serve everyone. We want to, in short, know our why and be on mission for that why. And we're going to talk more about the why part of this, the, ad the advance, the make, the serve part as we go along. But if this re these recent years have reminded us or shown us anything, they have reminded us that time is short. Time is precious. We, many of us, have just spent the last week or two really resonating with that truth because we've spent time with family we valued that we tried to be with our family and many of us you know we got those warm fuzzies because we were around them and we were you know with each other and it was beautiful it's a good thing it's awesome but for us when we think about our mission as the church when we think about what god has called us to during these times where we've lost loved ones we've lost church members we've lost friends when we know, if we're Christians, that Jesus could come back any moment, even before I finish this sentence, it ought to all the more, as the Bible talks about, as we see the day approaching, man, we ought to realize, I got to get to it. I need to be doing what I'm called to, be do, to do as a Christian. And so that's why it's so critical that we start off 2022 with, what's our why? What's my motivation? And when I understand what my motivation is, when I believe in that, which I say I'm motivated by, well, guess what? I'll actually do it. I'll gain ground for the gospel. And that's really where we're going to start with advancing the gospel. But before I get to that first idea, I want to just share a scripture with you that is Jesus's words. And it's in John 20, verse 21. And this won't be on the screen, I don't think, but I, you can look it up if you've got a Bible in front of you, and you all do because you have a phone or whatever. John 20, verse 21. Jesus is coming to his disciples. He has died, and he's been resurrected. He's not yet ascended to heaven. And so he comes to them in this time where their lives are most unsure, where the ground under their feet feels the most shaky. The Bible in John's gospel in John 20, 21, we find the disciples hiding in an upper room from what the Bible tells us are the Jewish authorities. Why? Because it says they feared them. So their life in that moment was being dominated by fear. 
And I told you at the end of 2021, you were here last Sunday, that we're not going to be focused on being afraid. We're going to be focused on faith. This doesn't mean that we don't move forward with intelligence. This doesn't mean that we're not trying to take care of one another and do things that help keep one another safe. Of course we do those things. But we want to be a people that are looking forward in faith that says, Jesus, we trust you. So when Jesus comes to his disciples and they're scared and they're afraid and they don't know what's next and they're feeling hopeless and they're feeling sad, lots of emotions that you all may be feeling this morning. This is what he says. He says, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So he just gives them this quick little sermon to wake them up, to get their attention, and get them prepared to be on mission. Hey, be at peace. God has sent me on a mission. And we know that Jesus fulfilled his mission. He lived his life on mission, a short human life. But man, nobody would look at Jesus' life and say, well, I don't really think he had purpose. Oh, come on, right? It was always about doing his father's business and doing exactly what he had been sent to do. He was a perfect model of that for us. So he says, peace to you. God has sent me now to you. And as I've been sent with a mission and a message, now, it's your turn. You have a responsibility. And so that truth is for everyone in this room this morning. That's why the grounding first piece of what our mission as a church is, what defines our why, at least one-third of it, is advancing the gospel. And that happens through the way that we support missions around the world. It happens the way we support local missions. And it happens in the way that we proclaim the gospel in this place. And that means proclaiming the authentic gospel. Because the authentic gospel, unpolluted by any other message that anyone might try to put in the midst of it, is what the world needs. They don't need a polluted gospel that has gotten infiltrated by things like politics, by things like thinking you can save yourself, by things like the prosperity gospel, where it's basically saying, hey, if you really love God and if your faith is authentic, then you're going to see that by all your life is going to be blessing. That's not, that's not the gospel. You see, those are all false versions of the gospel. They try to get in and infiltrate the gospel. And look now, that's not what the world needs. They need the beautiful, pure, unadulterated, unfiltered gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's what has the power to change. But people and, and, and times and seasons will seek to push in against the gospel. Even back in the days when Hitler was on the rise and Nazi Germany was on the rise, Hitler tried to hijack the church. It was one of the very first things he and the Nazi party tried to do. They wanted to hijack the church to use it for their own messages. But there were people, some unfortunately, that fell victim to that, that fell right in line with the Nazi way and message and brought that into their churches. 
But then there were people that stood their ground and said, no, the gospel can only be the gospel. Can't be anything else. Can't be any of these things you want to add to it or tack on to it. The gospel, is, the gospel is perfect. It needs no additions and it takes no subtractions. It is just the pureness of who Jesus is. So there was a group of people, though, that they stood up in that time, a group of confessing Christians. They authored what's now known as the Barman Declaration. And it was really arguing a simple but powerful premise. It said that the church and the gospel serves no one or nothing. That Christ is Lord over everything and the church must never allow itself to be enlisted in the service of any ideology, no matter how good it may seem. They put it this way, and this is a direct quote. We cannot put the word and the work of the Lord in the service of any arbitrarily chosen desires, purposes, and plans. The gospel serves not man's will, but the very will and word of God. So it's not about our desires, our purposes, our plans. It's about God's desires, his purposes, and his plans. The gospel is what people need because when the gospel, now listen, when the gospel is unleashed in the lives of mankind, that's what has the power to change people. That's what has the power to change hearts. How do I know this? Because it's changed me. And brothers and sisters, listen to me. That is the most powerful tool you have in your tool belt when it comes to seeing the gospel advance in this world. It's that we, each of us, can learn to articulate, maybe not answering every Bible question, maybe not understanding every piece of dense theology, because very few of us will. But every single one of us that knows and believes the gospel can tell people what Jesus has done for us. Here's how Jesus changed my life. Here's who I am today because Jesus got a hold of me. The good news of the gospel is that when you are in Christ, there is nothing you can do to make Jesus love you more, and there is nothing you can do to make him love you less. That's the gospel. That's what people need to hear. And when I first finally really understood the gospel, it changed everything for me. It not only changed everything for me in the way that I valued myself because I knew that I was valued by God, in the way that I could uh, interact with other people because ultimately it didn't matter what man thought of me because I knew that I was approved and valued by the Lord. See, it changes everything. It, it not only did that, it didn't only impact my life as it relates to my own heart. It gave me a desire. And when you grasp hold of the authentic gospel and when it grasps hold of your heart, it will not only change you as it relates to your own personal salvation, how you conduct your day in and day out life, it will inspire you to share that with somebody else so that you don't keep it to yourself because you want other people to know the freedom that you found. You, you can't keep that to yourself. You would recognize, you will recognize the selfishness of that. So why do I say all this? Well, I hope it's clear now 
that this is maybe the most integral part of our why. I have to care about the gospel advancing, about it moving forward. That is the mission that God has me on. Otherwise, look now, otherwise, what am I doing? What's my purpose? What am I really about as a Christian? What we do to advance the gospel matters. Because if we are doing nothing, we are not fulfilling our purpose. We've got to be intentional about it. We've got to, every one of us, take up the responsibility as the church. It can't just come from me, which I know you know. But it has to be all of us saying, what are we doing to create a church? A place where people feel welcome. A place where people know that it's okay to not be okay. A place where it's okay to know that there's other broken people. You're sitting alongside other broken people that need Jesus just as much today as we needed him the first day we found him. Thankfully, we're blessed with a church that has prominent professionals and recovering drug addicts. And I am so happy about I'm so thankful that our church runs the gamut of all kinds of different people in all kinds of different places in life. And that sometimes those recovering drug addicts are in a much better place in their walk with Christ than those prominent professionals on any given Sunday. Boy, isn't that a reminder. And so when we each think about doing our part to create an environment where everyone feels welcome, to really and truly be a church for everyone rather than just print it on our signs and our cards and our flyers, where we really say, no, you really are welcome. We really do want you to know that this is a place for anyone to be and to grow in Jesus. In every way, we have to do our part to send that message. You better believe that when I walk in this room on a Sunday morning, the very first thing I'm doing is trying to find somebody I don't know. But listen now, that cannot always be me. That has to be all of us. We all have a part to play in creating that kind of a, a welcoming environment where everybody feels like, hey, this is a place where I can get to know God, and this is a place where people want to get to know me. I'm valued. And, and I'm going to pat you on the back a little bit because there are lots of times I'll get an email. I'll, I'll frequently email somebody after a service and just check in and say, hey, we're so glad you came, so on and so forth. Or they'll, they'll interact with us on Facebook and say, hey, this was my experience. And they'll say, and it was so good, I went and people talked to me. The last church I went, they didn't even talk to me. And so I'm so glad that this has generally been that kind of a place. But I'm going to tell you, we're not batting a thousand on that. Because I've had some interactions where people have said, yeah, well, I came, nobody talked to me. Friends, can't happen. It just can't happen. Would you invite somebody to your house and not greet them? Would you invite them over the house just to be like, well, I guess they'll find their own way around. Right? Now, of course not, right? So that, that takes all of us thinking about our part to play in a mission. You know, I'm not the only one on mission, right? It's all of us. Doing our part. And I know, I know you say, well, you know, I don't know. I might not, I might not know them. And they might have been there a long time. And, and then I'm going to make a fool out of myself. You are going to be okay. I love you, but you will be fine. Right? 
You just go and talk to them. It's all right. Use the trick that I've taught you many times. It's, it's not a trick in a bad way. It's a trick in a good way. Hey, I don't think I've met you yet. Easy, right? Yeah, even if they've been here like 50 years, that's okay. Oh, yeah, well, I've been here 50 years. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think I met you yet. Well, it's okay, right? It's good. But these are all things you, you might think that I'm, I'm just having a laugh here, but I'm not. I'm helping you understand a critical part of what you do as the church to create an environment that helps to advance the gospel. And this is just one little piece. You know that there's a myriad of other things that we do. And the vast majority of them, please hear me say this, happen outside of this room. They happen outside of this room. You're here maybe an hour or so a week. You are everywhere else, all those other hours. And so you have an opportunity to go and be the church. And that's really what we're focusing on in this second piece of this, which is to make disciples. We don't want to, and I, and I have told you this from day one, my day one here at Galilee. I've told you this from day one. We are not chasing after growing a bigger church. We are chasing after making authentic disciples of Jesus Christ who go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. That's what we want to be about. It's what we're focused on. When we talk about making disciples, that's what we mean. People that go beyond an initial faith decision and baptism, though of course that's critical, but we want to teach people how to go from there. What do we do with this? What do we do when we're called to be disciple makers? Well, it's one of the reasons why we have a process for that. It's one of the reasons why we're going to be excited here at the end of the week to, to uh, welcome onto our staff, Brennan Touchette, who's our new discipleship minister, and his wife, Heather. We're excited to have him. His focus is around our path process, where we are not just, again, trying to grow a bigger church, but connecting people to our church, helping them discover who we are, connecting them in a group, getting them connected there, helping them find their best spiritual gifts and then use them in service in the church, and then teaching them and showing them how to share their faith. Like I talked about earlier, one of the best tools in our tool belt is sharing what Jesus has done for me. How has he changed my life? So that's a big part, one of the parts of his role, is to help us make that process even better. Why do I tell you this? Because I'm telling you, we are about what we say we are about. Our mission is not just words on a piece of paper or put on a sign. Our mission is what informs our day in and day out ministry in our church. You can ask our staff. You can ask our core volunteers. They know that when we say advance, make, serve, that's who we are. It's what we're about. So if we're not then making disciples as the church, we are not doing what the Lord has told us to do. We're like, a, we're like a microwave that doesn't heat something up. We're like sunscreen that doesn't have any SPF. We're like a plane that won't fly or a car that won't drive or like salt that doesn't make anything salty. And Jesus told us that's no way to be. That's not being on purpose, living in purpose. Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. 
Now, I don't tell you that to say, you know, to run you down or make you feel like you're not good for anything. No. I tell you that to remind you. And I tell our church this all the time. One of my major roles in our church is to be a reminder. To remind you frequently of things I know you already know. But hopefully, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, to inspire you to do something about it. To take it beyond heart knowledge and make it, make it beyond head knowledge and make it a part of your heart. So that it actually informs what you do. Because Jesus left us with a mission. We talked about that back in John 20, where he said, you know, I've come with a purpose and I'm sending you with a purpose. It's the very last words that Jesus says on earth to his disciples, which is you and me, the great commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is our mission. Now, I know you know that. 99% of you came in this morning knowing the Great Commission by heart. And that's awesome. You have fully integrated the Great Commission into your brain. But you and me, we all have work to do on integrating the Great Commission into our hearts. That when I'm interacting with people day in and day out, when I'm looking at opportunities, when I see people on the street or in the coffee shop or in my work or wherever it is, I'm looking for opportunities to help them know Jesus like I know Jesus. Because I won't be able to keep that to myself. This is why when it comes to making disciples, again, we put our money, we put our effort where our mouth is. So even in 2022, our focus is going to be what we are calling my five. And it's as simple as it sounds. The goal is for you and me to find five people that don't know, don't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and help them come to know him to pray for them, to intentionally interact with them. Not, not in any kind of way that's, you know, anything less than authentic, but to truly get to know them, to love them well, and to point them towards Jesus. So we're going to be talking more about that in the coming weeks and months, and really leading all the way up into Easter, most especially. This is going to be our effort. So why am I telling you that? Well, I'm telling you so that you know, and I'm telling you so that you start to think. And I said, well, I don't know. You know, I don't know five people that don't know the Lord. Well, guess what? You can meet them. Right? You can make that a part of what your year is going to be about. I'm going to look for opportunities to get to know people that don't look like me, act like me, talk like me, maybe don't think the same way you know, about politics or whatever it is. It's all good because you want them to know Jesus. So these are opportunities for us all. So finally, we've talked about advancing the gospel. We've talking about, uh, talked about making disciples. And the third critical part of this, of course, is that we would serve. We would serve all. We would be a church that serves not just collectively but individually. And I will applaud you because 
time after time after time after time, our church shows up to serve. So I want to be sure you hear me and see me patting you on the back. Because, man, praise be to God for the difference that you all have made in this community. You all as a church, not me, you all as a church are known as a church that serves. And, and that's awesome. Because you know and I know we don't do that so that people will look and be like, oh, well, they do a lot of community service. That's great. Community service is awesome. No, we do it because we want people to know we do it because we love Jesus. We serve in the name of Jesus. And we recognize that Jesus is the one that set the foundation for becoming servants. So if you wanted to be great, you got to be a servant of all. And that Jesus, when we don't know how to do something, then he'll just show up and make it happen. And if we're not doing enough stuff right now in our lives that makes us a little bit scared, that makes us get out a little bit over our skis, just a little bit, that says, I don't know how to pull this off. Y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, we got stuff coming up in our vision I'm going to talk to you about next, next week. We got stuff coming up. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know how to do it. I, I, don't, I don't know how we're going to do it. I have no idea. Well, that's not true. I know exactly how it will happen if it happens. It will be that Jesus shows up and makes it happen because I don't have the skills and ability to do it, but I know Jesus does. And so I want to, and I want our church to live out over our skis just a little bit. That doesn't mean do something foolish like point the skis towards the end of the cliff and take off, right? But it does mean I'm okay with living out over my skis a little bit because I believe that if Jesus is calling us to this, he will lead us through this. And his strength, his might will do it. That's a beautiful thing about living in faith and serving in faith. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And then we're reminded by Jesus why we serve. Like, why do I want to serve people? Why do I want to make service such a critical part of what we do as a church? Matthew 25, 40, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Now, I'm going to end with this as you reflect on that scripture. Let me read it one more time. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Do you know that you are one of the least of these? in that scripture. I know that frequently when we read that text, we think, now, how might I serve the poor and the homeless and the least of these? And that's great. But somebody at some point served you in the name of Jesus. And you were the least of these that they were loving in the name of Christ. Everyone in this room could tell stories about people that said yes to Jesus, were on mission for Jesus, and for the vast majority of you, it has changed not just your life, but your eternity. Because somebody was willing to be on mission, to know their why. I think back to the little sweet old lady that watched the nursery in the church where I grew up. And for me, I was just trying to hide from having to go to church. 
Now, teenagers, I know you hear me telling you that, and I'm just, a, I'm students, I, I'm proud of you for being in here. We, we've been blessed so much by the fact that you are here. Now, I wasn't a teenager when this happened. I was a little younger than that. But she showed me love every Sunday. I, I worked alongside her. You know, I worked. I was there. She kind of put up with me. She was serving in the nursery every single Sunday. She was always there. I don't recall ever going and her not being there. And that made an unbelievable impact on me, even as a young kid, to see somebody that was so sold out to serving others. This sweet little old lady, she's probably too old to be watching babies, y'all. But she was there because she loved Jesus. I think about my youth minister that said yes to the mission of Christ in his life and helped me begin to understand the gospel. Changed my life for knowing that I could really know Jesus personally in a way that I had never before. Even though I'd been introduced to him, I didn't really know him. But somebody that said, Man, I'm on mission. I'm living on purpose. And I know my why. And it didn't just come through in the things that he said. And it came through in the way, in, in the things that he did. It wasn't just talk. It was the way he loved me. One of the things I'll remember and I'll never forget in my entire life is my grandfather passed away in the early 90s and I was probably 16. And for whatever reason, I mean, beyond the fact that my grandfather had passed and we were close and I was very sad about it. But when we were doing the funeral, I, I didn't, you know, there was nobody there other than my family. But my youth minister showed up. And I remember when he came up to me, he hugged me. And up until that point, I had not shed a tear. And I just burst into tears. And yes, I was sad about the fact that my grandfather had passed. But what I was crying about wasn't that. I was crying about the fact that he loved me enough to show up to that. That he cared enough about me to be there. Now... This was probably one of a myriad of these kinds of things that he'd done. I, there's probably, you know, hundreds of kids. Actually, I know there's hundreds of kids that could tell the same story. But you see, it was this one person choosing to live on mission in their why for the least of these, which was me, that showed me the love of Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have a chance to do that for somebody else. I'm especially thankful today for the late Chris Garcia. We just lost Miss Chris. She, as most of you know in this room, she founded the Beth Shan Mexico Mission. Such an unbelievable mission in central Mexico. Literally changed that area of central Mexico forever. But she went to Mexico as a young woman on a short-term mission trip, thinking, I'm going to go for a week and then get the heck out of here. That was her plan. That was as far as she had gotten to submitting in her why and her mission for Christ. And then she got there and she met a little old lady on the street named Little Rose. Little Rose was 
a little old lady that should not have been living out on the street, not that anybody should. But there was no place for her to go. There was nobody there to care for. And when she saw the state of this, she knew she had to do something about it. And she prayed, y'all. She prayed. She's told me this story. And she's, you've heard her talk about this if you've been here for long. She prayed that God would send somebody else. Just send anybody else, Lord. This is a problem. <laughs> We're all really good at that. Like, that should not be that way. Somebody should do something about that. Right, we're, all, we're all really super good at that. But then she knew that the Lord was saying, yeah, I'm going to send somebody. And it's you. And she went. And she said yes. And then she went back and forth, raising funds and doing everything that she had to do over the last 45-ish years. And it literally changed that whole community of Estancia de Animas. And in Estancia, they built a nursing home. Imagine that. Imagine coming back from seeing one little old lady on the street and instead of saying, boy, that's terrible, somebody should do something about that, going back and getting a nursing home built. And then seeing a medical clinic being built and a camp be built that would impact kids and families. And all of that is still happening today because one woman clearly understood her why. And her why set her on a clear mission. It gave her mission and purpose day in and day out. And you might say, well, I know, Nick, but I, I mean, I'm never going to be able to do all that. I'm never going to be able to go accomplish that and build a big mission in Mexico and change the world. Well, that's true. You may not. You might, but you may not. But what you can do is listen to the words of Jesus. If you don't listen to me this morning, that's fine. But listen to the words of Jesus. Whatever you do for one of the least of these, you do for me. Jesus is calling you to be on mission for him. This is not busy work. This is not something for us to do just until Jesus gets back here to get us. This is the purpose of our lives as Christ followers, to advance the gospel, to make disciples, and to serve all. And my prayer is that it will go beyond words for every one of us, and it will inform the way we actually live out our lives day in and day out. Let's go live on mission as a church. Will you pray with me?